Thank you, James. It's great. It is so great to see so many of you with us today. Um, it is a true testimony to the families, um, Billy and Michella and uh, Winnie and Patrick, that they are cl they're clearly surrounded by uh, many, many people who love them dearly, as, as well as obviously us here at King's Church. Um, you know, last week was Easter. Um, and, you know, I thought it would have been mentioned already because we did have a fantastic time last week celebrating Easter. But I suppose we've got so much going on. You know, we, there were almost 100 people here um, celebrating with us, which is incredible. It is great that so many people could come through our doors. Um, I had a fantastic time. And my favorite quote was from a small child aged about five or six. And he said to me, this has been the best day of my life. <laughs> Perhaps a little overstated, but it was a great time. And it's a privilege to be able to host events like that here in the Health Academy. It's a privilege to be able to reach out into our local community with the aim that we reach local people. It's been just over two years since we started meeting here in Withenshaw. And so that was our third Easter. And I think it probably was our biggest yet. But God has so much more for us here as King's Church Withenshaw. One of the reasons we started meeting here is because we recognise the significance of local church. The fact that just outside this very building, the very homes of the people that I believe, and I'm sure you believe too, um, that God has got a plan and a purpose for them. That right here, right now, is where God wants to build his family. Right now, right here in Withenshaw. A Withenshaw that once upon a time had a bit of a bad reputation. Don't you think it's exciting being here? I certainly do. And I'm sure I don't need to remind you the many things that are changing here in the natural. The talk of a re-energised town centre, the forever expansion of the airport. We've got HS2. But have any of you ever considered that this very school has been expanding just as we meet in it? For those of you who don't know, we have had loads of different building works in and around just as we've been here in this place. God has got so much for us to see here in Withenshaw, and we have just scratched the surface. For those of you who don't know, me and Mike, we moved into Withenshaw just about a month before we started meeting here in the Health Academy. So for us, we didn't just spiritually move in, we physically moved too. We moved in and we found our home here, here in Withenshaw. And we're building our lives here in this place. And we've aimed to fully throw ourselves into this community, which is what we're going to be looking at today, community. So what is community? Any thoughts? Anyone be brave enough to give us a few words on what you think community is? People. Bunch of people hanging out. That's great. Anyone else? Something that they have that's common. That's a good one. Anyone else? Pardon? People working together. Brilliant. Um, the dictionary defines it as a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic 
in common. So I think we're very close. Oh, pretty much spot on. And there are lots of different community groups here in Withenshaw, and good ones too. There's lots of groups that are based in the park, like Friends of Withenshaw Park. There's a community farm. There's a beekeeping group, which I think sounds quite exciting. There are running groups, which I know many of you here are involved in. And there are even groups that meet in this building. Um, there are exercise classes, and the list is truly endless. If you are interested in something, you can find a community group that will meet your need. And each of these groups have many different purposes, but they each bring people together. They connect people. So if we are to think of ourselves as a community, what sets us apart? What makes us different? What is it about us that, that just makes us different? Obviously, you know, we will have different um, uh, focuses. But if you look from the outside in, how different do we actually appear to other people? You know, it works really well for me that it was Easter last week. Uh, because it was just after Jesus' resurrection that the early church started meeting. And they were a brand new community of believers. And it's easy to think about the Easter as a mini story. You start with the life of Jesus, all the great things he did, you know, that we read about in scriptures. We have his death, he rises again. Um, but that isn't the end of the story. You know, we don't have to stop you know, forget everything that just was because Easter is over. Easter is just the beginning. It was never meant to be the end. It's like one of those films that finishes all the major plot lines, but it sets itself up so obviously for the sequel. Easter is just the beginning of our story as the church, as a community. Let's look at Acts 1. Okay, so we're going to read from verse 3. Um, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift, my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So by this time, the disciples will have already had a commissioning from Jesus. They've already been told that they'd do greater things than Jesus did. But this passage fast forwards to the very last of the 40 days Jesus spent on earth after coming back to life. But his words wasn't to go out immediately. It was to wait. To wait until the Holy Spirit had come down. And Jesus wanted his people to be people filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants us to be a people marked by the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that our community has to do before we can go out is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
It's the thing that sets us apart from other community groups. It's what connects us together. God's spirit is life-giving and it goes beyond earthly measures. And when he lives in us, we become his and he becomes ours. And that's unlike any earthly community group could offer. That's what makes us different. And on some level, you know, we all long for connectedness, to have relationships and people who are there for us. But it does take work and sacrifices to start living in a true community where you stop being self-sufficient and begin sharing life. Um, A theologian said, superficiality and rootlessness are diseases of our time. Shallow friendships and fragile relationships mark not only our society, but also the church. By contrast, we read that the early Christians did not just occasionally fellowship, verb, they were a fellowship. They didn't just go to church, they were the church. You know, we've become a very busy society. And I think in the supermarket, um, it's a great testimony to this. When you look at the amount of convenience food in there, how many people here don't actually have time to grate their own cheese? Or perhaps chop your own onions? Or buy, you buy garlic in a squeezy tube because you just can't be bothered with that mess. And, or perhaps you don't even buy any of those because you buy the jar that's already got each of those ingredients already in, already. Lunch, that sort of too. We've got pot noodles, pre-packed sandwiches, and you know, breakfast bars, so we don't even need to sit still. And while we're eating our own very convenient food, we kid ourselves into thinking that we're connecting with people, that we're catching up with our friends by scrolling through Facebook, reading all the latest statuses. And yes, I'm guilty of that too. And you know, if you look at my um, Instagram, you'll see, you'll see stories of um, my smiley baby, the beautiful times we share together, all the fun. But you won't see the struggles, the screaming, the half-dead mouse that the cats brought in, and then the argument about who it, whose turn it is to clean up. We choose what we share through social media. And true connectedness connectedness is not just surface level we need to be a people who share more than just surface level connectedness the disciples in contrast to us um, or to many of us lived shared lives we know that when many of them were called by Jesus they sold all their possessions they left their families, their jobs behind and they literally devoted themselves to Jesus and to each other John 17, verse 20. I'll let you turn there. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that they would, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. 
that the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that you that the love you have for me may be in them, that I myself be in them. In this passage, Jesus prays that we would have the same unity amongst each other that he has with his father. How committed are you to the people in this room? Community is all about life together. And true life together means being devoted to each other. True community means letting go of some of your independence and becoming interdependent. It also demands that we sacrifice some of our time. Community needs to be needs more than meeting together for a couple of hours each week. Just like when we, if we go back to that quote that said, um, they didn't just go to church, they were the church. And time can seem a really valuable thing. You know, I'm sure many of you worry. I'm a bit of a worrier. And, you know, I'm, I'm constantly worrying about time. Have I spent enough quality time with my husband this week, with Jonah, my son, this week? Have we seen each of our parents? Have we, you know, have we spent equal amounts of time with both sides? I don't, obviously, we don't, couldn't bear to that any of them would think that we'd favour either side. Um, and you worry about other things, too. Have I read my Bible? Have I seek God? Have I rested? You know, have I, have I had enough qual- me time this week? There's all kinds of time. But the t- by the time you've spent all that time worrying, more time has passed. You know, when, when me and Mike were students, um, I was in my final year of university. And um, we volunteered by leading um, the student ministry at King's Church. And in that year as well, we also planned our wedding. <laughs> um, obviously, it's a different season of our life. And... Perhaps you could say, you know, when you're young, you've got um, more time. But, you know, you make time for whatever you prioritize, whatever you hold most dear, whatever you think is most important in your mind. You make time for that. You have got time for whatever you make time for. Perhaps look at Ruth and Akin, um, a couple with us. Um, Ruth, she's gone out with the kids. Akin's not here today. And, you know, they are incredibly busy people. They own their own business. Um, I think Akin at the moment is in Nigeria. Yet when I ask Ruth, can you speak to our youth on a Sunday? You know, she makes time. And Akin in between flights out to Nigeria, he somehow manages to help out with our youth group that meet on a Wednesday. Could you say they're superhumans? Maybe. But, you know, there are sacrifices that come with each of those commitments. And I'm sure if you spoke to them, they would tell you about what they are. When we look through the Bible for what community or church look like, there aren't any specifications for when and how often we should meet. The Bible doesn't even say that we should have church on a Sunday. But we recognize that to help us in our busy lives, it makes it easier if we have regular meeting points. And this is another reason that we use connect groups. Connect groups are about bringing ourselves closer to each other. 
about building community, sacrificing our time to grow together in learning about what God has for us. True community will never be achieved if human relationships go on as they are. True, the community we seek is not based on human nature, but on the eternal God. It is fed by divine strength and comes to true unity in God, not by reason of our own strength or even our collective strength, but through a power given from above. Without faith that we will be given the spirit of complete love and fellowship, the spirit of Jesus Christ, we cannot last long in community. That's a quote um, from a book about community, funnily enough. Um, What holds us together as a community is our God. And we have to prioritize seeking him together. We have to prioritize loving him as a community. It's what binds us together and it's what makes us become the church. Um, There's a word, a Greek word that appears a lot of times in the New Testament. Um, And it describes how we should specifically focus on each other. Um, It is, my pronunciation's rubbish, so I'm sorry, Michelle, Vicky, you can tell me if I've done it wrong. I think it's Alelon. Have you got that? No, no one, anyone? Any thoughts? We'll go with that. And it's used around sort of 100, when one site thought 101 times um, across the Bible. And it means one another. Um, The word that I know what it means, but I always struggle to say, reciprocally, mutually. So that kind of sense of that shared togetherness. So here's a couple of examples. So John 15, 12 says, love each other as I have loved you. Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in love. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Romans 14, 13, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Romans 15, 14, instruct one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, have equal concern for one another. Um, I'll skip the... Um, passages but if you'd like to know where any of them are I'll tell you later Um, rather serve one another humbly in love carry each other's burdens be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love Um, that's kind of like putting up with one another bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone The closeness that Jesus wants for his church means that we are going to have to occasionally annoy each other. Because have you had the chance to forgive someone? Perhaps here. Because forgiveness is only actually issued after someone has been let down or someone's had something wrong done to them. So if, if we are to forgive each other, it implies that we face differences. Or perhaps have you put up with someone Maybe don't answer that out loud. But you know, all this is done in love because it's about living life together. It's where the picture of a natural family comes and fits in so well. You know, over the years, my own relationships with my mum, my dad and my brother have changed. They've grown. Perhaps I've matured. And there have been times where we've annoyed each other. Specifically, me and my brother. And if any of you have siblings, um, I'm sure you know exactly what things wind each other up. You may have even perfected it over the years. And now it's like an art form to you. 
definitely seen a couple of kids, siblings around here, winding each other up. And, you know, they just know. They, they, there's no question. They, they can walk up to them the minute and suddenly, Mom! And I don't know what it is about siblings, but they just know, don't they? Um, you know, perhaps the reasons the relationships are like that is, be is because of the life you've shared together. You know, the putting up with the mundane together, the struggling through the hard times, the laughing, the joy, the tears, all the emotions. Because, you know, it takes time. It takes time to get to know someone well enough to put up with them and still love them. Or to be able to put aside differences and forgive them. Another way the church is described is a body. Um, by Paul, and he does that a couple of times in the New Testament. Um, we can see that, um, if you'd like to turn there, 1 Corinthians 12. So from verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts... But it's many parts that form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by the Spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we were all given this one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, this imagery is really important. Because we recognize that everyone has individual skills and callings. We recognize that we are each individual. We each have things that we are better suited to doing, but sometimes it can be more helpful to look at the church as family. These are really similar metaphors, as a family is also one. It's made up of lots of people, but with some more, most often than not, the same last name. Um, so we are the Burks. Could have picked a better last name, but um, there we go. <laughs> lost now so it is the fa a family metaphor is really similar just like um, the body what the body implies but there are a few different things that we can take from the family the family still has specific roles so a brother or sister mum or dad and clearly a brother is not a mum but within a family roles distinctions can blur because every family member is, is able to do the washing, to take out the rubbish or to vac the house. And we are all part of the same family. We are God's children. And sometimes the things that we share may become more important than the things that make us different. So let's think about that further. You know, with the body, um, you think about your different tasks split into roles and functions. But within a, a family... Um, you can look about differences in maturity. You know, the younger members can learn from the older. Children can learn from their parents. And family life is about day-to-day -day existence rather than just getting a job done. And we are here to learn from each other and to help each other grow. And you know, our kids model this so brilliantly. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen some of our older youth um, looking after the kids, playing with them. 
Um, if you are new amongst us, if you join us for food later, you will get to see how um, our youth come alongside our children, our, our, the small kids, and, and, and they just have life together. You know, it's, it is a rare thing that a, a little, um, I've heard that one of the little boys will say, oh yeah, my best friend Isaac. And, you know, the teachers at school, they assume Isaac must be about the same age as him. But Isaac, Isaac's 16, he's up here. He's massive. What's he got a best friend called Isaac? How has that kid got the time to just to do life together? You know, when I heard Rian um, do that uh, little bit of um, a talk at the ba- as we celebrated the babies this morning, I was a bit like, oh, she's stolen part of my preach. Because I too have been reading that book, uh, and it's an amazing book. <laughs> um, and it, it does, it shares how we can equip and encourage parents to raise up children for a life of faith. And you know that way that Rian read about um, explaining how you can help parents grow? I think we can also apply that to church life. So you know when you think about the church as a village, um, I think that You can say, I'm going to replace the word word child this time with person so that perhaps you can just imagine, you know, the kind of, well, how we can apply that to church life. Um, So think about the church as a village, a village which is committed to seeing the flourishing of each church member through the support it gives to those who are naturally part of the church member's world. We don't replace... um, I have to be used a bit of imagination here. We don't replace husbands, partners, or other extended family roles. We encircle and we embrace in, be- that in, in order to best support every church member. We need to be um, church members who encircle and embrace each other. Um, another way that book describes a way of doing things is like being Ikea and not the dentist. It might sound a little bit odd, that one, but... I'll make, I'll make sense of it for you. So when you visit the dentist, you face questions such as, do you brush your teeth every day, twice a day, for two minutes each time? Have you flossed recently? Or every day, flossing should be done. I don't know about you, but I occasionally start considering, have I actually been brushing my teeth correctly when I go to the dentist and I face all that bombardment of questions? And dentists represent a lot of shoulds. They rightly and correctly come along and tell us what we should be doing to look after our teeth. But unfortunately, a lot of the time that leaves us feeling discouraged and guilty and slightly sensitive about it. Sometimes when we as the church try to give each other advice, we come across like the dentist. And that leaves us feeling condemned and guilty. You know, some people only actually visit the dentist when the pain gets so much they can't handle it anymore. And they only seek it out when things go wrong enough to overcome the aversion. We want our church members, we want each other to be community and people who can come to each other at every opportunity, not just when the tough is so tough it has to be sorted. So sometimes in our eagerness to tell each other the correct way of living our Christian lives, we are like the dentist. But Ikea is different. 
I'm sure you know about this massive global Swedish flat pack style of furniture. I certainly possess many, many IKEA items. And we get excited about going there. We walk through the show, showroom and we're encouraged to think about just how much better our lives w w could be. As we look at the bedrooms, the kitchens, and we're viewing just how great, look how great all these products are. We view things we haven't viewed before and we just imagine my house could be that great. And we convince ourselves that we need things. We really need them. We need to be a community of encouragement, option, support and choice. There isn't an exact formula to Christian life. There's not an exact formula to bringing up children to love the Lord. So we need to be a community that openly says, look at what this, look at what we're doing. And you know, that looks like how I shared about the Andes earlier. It looks like learning from each other, sharing and living life together. It's about modeling a lifestyle that people can see and think, yes, I want that. Just like in Ikea. When you look at the Aves family, Graham's representing in the corner there. Um, and you know, they've got three girls, three brilliant young women, and they're being raised up with huge hearts. And when... Um, one of them's not with us at the moment. She's doing a gap year with another church. But when each of them have been with us, they have thrown themselves into church life and they've been committed to serving our community. And when you t hear about them, talk about their friends, their schools, their relatives, you can really see that they each have spheres of influence. Or perhaps if like an Ikea shop, that lampshade isn't quite your colour. Look at the BTs. Another brilliant example of parenting, three bold young men, each growing and discovering their own gifting. So let's learn from each other. Let's learn in love. Um, there's another quote for you. Our community should be marked by a people who first hunger for God and then secondly are seeking love and unity. Our doors must be open to everyone, even if they don't necessarily see from our perspective. They may be drawn to us by the love and unity, but that should then lead them to Jesus. Our aim as a community is first and foremost to lead people to Jesus. Our kindness and warmth for each other it might be a draw in, but our goal is that people seek first the kingdom of God. So we have to be pointing to Jesus with our own lifestyles. And you know, our community will never reach perfection. And neither will we personally, as we know that we all fall short and we will do until Jesus comes again. But until he does come again, we aspire to be a church that is marked by the Holy Spirit. A church that moves in power that is known for being faithfully a faithful community that serve an awesome God. A church community that are connected, who have time for each other, who share life together, who want to grow together, living life together and learning together more and more about the plans and purposes that God has got for us. Let's take our connections to the next level that we might be united together in love just like Jesus and his father. <laughs>